This episode is brought to you by Been Verified. Help chip away at the uncertainty that comes with online dating and use binverified.com, a leading platform for online background searches and people search reports. With their powerful search tools and extensive database, you could easily gather information about potential dates, which may help you find peace of mind before taking that next step. You can never be too safe when it comes to dating. Get 20% off today to help take control of your dating game. Visit binverified.com slash podcast. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Welcome to Rex Factor. This week, questions and answers. With your hosts, Graham Duke and Ali Hood. Hello. Hello. And uh, welcome to Rex Factor. Uh, um, not currently no. reviewing any kings no. or queens. We're... We're midway. Yeah, we're mid-queen. We've finished Alfred the Great to Elizabeth II. Yeah. And after we've done this, in about a month's time, we will start reviewing all the kings and queens of Scotland from Kenneth MacAlpin to James VI. He's got every time. <laughs> You're going to have a lot of fun with some of these names. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but in the meantime, we've mm. got this uh, episode to answer some of the questions that always pop up on social media, like Twitter. At Rex Pod. Facebook. Facebook and on email rexfactorpodcast at hotmail.com and uh, rexfactor.wordpress.com for the blog Ooh, yeah. site but that's something else we're going to do exactly do, do yeah. visit that so you've been sending in uh, your questions to us and uh, we're now going to go through and answer them so thank yeah. you very much to everyone who submitted your questions apologies if we don't read out your questions. We don't know quite how long it's actually going to take us to do this yet. So we might have to trim down. Some of you have asked similar questions, so we're going to kind of yeah. collate some of those into a... But if you don't get a name check, we're sorry. But hopefully get all the... All the hopefully we'll get the overview. Yeah, exactly. So, Ali, kick us off. <clears throat> what do you want to know? Uh, well, what do the public oh, want okay. to know? Right, okay. Yeah, you, you've got all the answer. Right. <laughs> so, Ellie Fisher. Hello, Ellie Fisher. Hello. By email... Uh, what I want to know is about you. You've been a big part of my life, thank you very much, for the last <laughs> two years. I was a bit late finding you. That's okay. But I don't know much about you. What do you do for a living? Where did your love of history come from? Similar question from Alison Scrace on Facebook. How did you meet each other and what is your day job? Catherine Somerville, Facebook. Love those Facebookers. <laughs> What's your educational background? Did you both graduate from university with degrees in history? Stephen Loeffler, WordPress. My daughter wants to know what you both do for a living. The backstory to Rex Factor would be interesting to understand. Last two is Jenny Camilleri. Sorry, Jenny, I apologise. Jenny Camilleri. <laughs> These Scottish kings and queens don't stand a chance. Camilleri. Camilleri. That's Camilleri. easy. Camilleri. How did you guys meet and why did you decide to do the podcast? Finally, Julia Roebuck of, uh, of Twitter fame. How did you two meet and how did you come up with the idea? For Rex Factor. I love the way you're going to do that Julia Roebuck of Twitter as if she's sort of a martial she is, lord. Exactly. <laughs> Julia Roebuck of Twitter. Um, so, yeah, well, I mean, how do we go about this? What's, uh, uh, so, I've, we've 
broken it down to kind of a few mm. key questions that everyone's answering there, mm. asking. Uh, so, firstly, how we actually met each other. Well, it was um, our eyes <laughs> across the dinner table. Across the, the training room. Well, <laughs> the candlelight was fluttering, creating <laughs> dancing shadows on the walls. And um, yeah, it was at work, wasn't it? Yeah, we're both yeah. on a uh, graduate scheme yeah. uh, in Essex, and there are big group of us all together and Ali and I were two of the people yeah and uh, we all got it the whole group got on very well I was trying to think when did we particularly might have been after the presentation we were just chatting about that that was a, a definite plus you I thought... regale everybody <laughs> well I'll tell them about yours you tell them about mine I thought this this guy is definitely worth getting to know um, because we we had to do a, presenta- uh, a presentation on anything really uh, to practice presentation skills and a lot of people just did it on something about their, their job. job, what yeah. they're currently something working on. Yeah, something professional. And Graham came along, who's a keen tennis fan, <laughs> and uh, just did the most hilarious uh, presentation. I was, I was having tears running down my eyes. It was absolutely <laughs> fantastic. I can't remember. The it was about them nutrition or something. It but was about um, farming people as yeah, a as special food for tennis, tennis players. players. Yeah. But delivered in Graham's usual. <laughs> deadpan um, <laughs> delivery oh it was absolutely priceless um, so I thought this is a funny man let's get chatting as for Ali as a listen, long term listeners may not be surprised to know that Ali hadn't done a lot of preparation <laughs> for his, his, his presentation the preparation he had done was to ask a couple of people if he could borrow a presentation, presentation they'd done so he had two presentations which he just saved copied and pasted into one which had absolutely no link to each other whatsoever, which was given away by this real classic alley moment where it went from one slide on one subject to another. Completely different, and Ali slightly gave the game away, which we pretty much already knew by sort of turning around, eyes going big, and go, oh. <laughs> well, and taking a moment to work out what on earth he was now talking. I didn't know, I didn't know anything about the subject matter of either of them. So... I felt that this was actually probably a better demonstration of my presentation exactly, skills. Exactly. Look, I had to, you know, I had to really riff and off and the work. cuff. Yeah, totally. That and those are the skills which you were then able to bring to. Yeah, Rex Factor. Well, totally. I did finish with a giant picture of um, uh, Zeus for some reason. <laughs> yes, I, I don't, know why that I don't was. think you knew at the time. I think. Yeah, but at work is the um, is the answer. Yeah. But I also remember that one of the other ones was when you think you drove me up to Warwick Business School, where we oh, that was had brilliant. Like, um, a, things that we did up there for sort of week sessions yeah. and there's one time where you kind of knew vaguely where it was but not exactly <laughs> yeah. so at one point we started following a mini on the basis that he looked like he knew where he was going <laughs> was, I'd forgotten that, that was which so he probably much did fun. but he wasn't going to Warren he, he knew exactly where he was going and we got there but unfortunately it was yeah, a different destination yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> he looked like a student to me but yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, our background in history how do we justify us doing this podcast. Uh, both got history degrees. We do. Um, yours from University of Durham. Durham. Yeah. Mine from University of Birmingham. What was yours specialism there? Uh, I specialised uh, in the Liberal Party in sort of British three-party politics in sort of first half of the twentieth century. Perfect. <laughs> so that's apart from George V, all of this uh, yeah. wasn't really in my comfort zone. And and mine was um, Middle East history. So mm. again, not not. Totally relevant. Though your dissertation. Though I'd managed, yeah, I managed to uh, convince my tutor that this was still relevant to my degree to study um, Edward I's uh, castles 
or basically his Welsh campaigns and how they were influenced by his crusades. So just just about Middle East history, um, but basically so I could spend lots of weekends wandering around Wales looking at, at all his wonderful <laughs> castles. Yeah, my uh, undergraduate dissertation was on nineteen twenty three twenty four when there was that hung parliament and the first ever Labour government oh, yeah. came into office under Ramsay MacDonald, which is uh, going to be one of the themes of the new series of Downton Abbey. Oh, so got their running through the years, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, finally, what do we actually do when we're not podcasting? Do I just think I'm mostly doing the research for the next podcast really. exactly I mean I've, I'm just sort of playing tennis I'm lazing yeah. around yeah, I'm, I'm stuck in the library aren't I yeah, it's very tricky very tricky unbelievable mm. but um, boat boat yeah building boat a lot of the time um, uh, but I work for the British Museum mm. I put on uh, I help organise the temporary exhibitions there and uh, I'm in uh, local government at Essex in uh, uh, so some more questions mm-hmm. Uh Continuing with uh, these sort of collated ones and a bit of backgroundy stuff, but background to the podcast. Okay. A lot of people yeah, ask yeah, about this. Yeah. Uh, Mike Clayton on Facebook, what was the inspiration, uh, motivation behind Rex Factor? Andy Eggers via email, where did the idea for the show came uh, come from? How did the initial idea differ from what it actually became? Well, that's a nice one. That's quite a good question. Uh, Susan Duke, my mother, on email, how did you come up with the idea of doing the podcast and its format and who thought up the name? Uh, John from the Saga Thing podcast, um, which is, uh, if you're into uh, any of the Icelandic sagas, mm. the Viking stuff, it's a very good podcast, inspired by us. Oh, really? And thus, very happy to promote it, where a couple of chaps discuss cool. the sagas and then rate them by various things. And I need to go on to that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, he asks, what have been the easiest and hardest parts of building your podcast? Robin Perry on Facebook, can you talk a little bit about the craft of making podcasts, if there is one. What did you learn about making podcasts along the way? What do you think has made your podcast successful, etc.? Foe Bennett on email, do you have any advice or suggestions for fans who would one day like to try their hand at their own podcast? And uh, a more technical and specific one, Virginia Lavender on Facebook, why did you choose Scandal as a factor? Why didn't you include learning? How do you think the results would have differed if you had split battliness into two, offensive and defensive? That's nice. Mm. Would have been a bit complicated, I think, the answer there, but um, <laughs> but I yeah, I'd like to have looked at that. It's that's an interesting one to think in terms of someone like Edgar the Peaceable, mm. who had this great army and the navy going around and was very very strong, but as you complained, didn't declare war on anybody. Yeah. Do so you think actually, yeah, you could have given him sort of yeah, the defensive marks, mm. but then a bit less with the offensive. Yeah. So well, it would have been good, but I think um, I think. I had enough on my plate doing research for the... Means <laughs> like, exactly. Don't get too, too much yeah. in your head going on. Yeah. In terms of where the idea came from, I can't remember the exact kind of moment of... I can't either. ...light bulb popping on, but I think we'd had... I remember one of our many sort of lunch times in the park having yeah. chats about various things, and I think we debated some kind of historically thing. Yeah. I can't remember what it was exactly, but it was a bit of that, a bit of listening to... Uh, history podcast and like in our time yeah we both yeah, exactly. and thinking oh, kind of, something like that would kind of be cool it's a bit more of a discussion rather than just somebody that sort of reads off a script which yeah. quite a few yeah. other ones are and I think I did also for some reason think to look up Alfred the Great or like the Saxons mm. and so I'm thinking wow there's all this stuff and I never knew about that and then gradually somehow that formed into a could you do a thing yeah like it every was, single one it was really slow burning wasn't it it was probably an idea for a couple of months and uh, we were d- we were writing with a, a friend and Rex Factor listener, um, 
David Grocott, we were we were meeting up to um, discuss this book that he was writing um, mm. on torture methods, <laughs> <laughs> and it just gradually uh, we we thought that was a brilliant idea, and um, uh, there was lots of historical. And that was a kind of an, a rating. Yeah, yeah, on a rating basis. So maybe that kind of. Because we're writing in the back of the book how you'd how you'd differentiate between yeah. the two. Methods. Yeah, I think. So all, all everything came together at once. We thought, right, let's do it. But I think it was also that we didn't. Um, we the podcasts that we were listening to were um, either very dry, mm. or or there was no, no middle ground. Yeah, and uh, hopefully this this helps build that a bit. Mm. In terms of the names, uh, it took us a while to get towards that. So I got uh, I found our original emails where we were discussing. Oh god, this is going to be embarrassing. Four years ago, yeah. five years ago. Uh, yeah, four years ago. Four years ago. Some of our early ideas. Uh, you started off mm. kings and that. Well, that's, that's <laughs> the wrong seal of approach. Exactly. Um, I said kings I, and that. Yeah, that's awful. I don't know if that was a serious suggestion. That is terrible. I said I would suggest Return of the Kings, but that might attract a Lord of the Rings crowd that would alienate you in the process. Uh, you then said kings, which is best. <laughs> <laughs> At least I make myself laugh, because that is awful. Uh, I then got excited when I thought if we were doing a Russian equivalent, we could call it Zars and Eros. Which is fantastic. Uh, to which you said we really could call it that. I said, but it's Russian. <laughs> oh, oh. You then had, let's do it on the Vatican, Pope Idol. Yeah. Which nice. is also very, very good. But I just got the hang of the panning by this point, yeah. not just it's about kings. <laughs> Did I really say that? Kings and that? Yeah, that was where we started off. God. Uh, I then said, how about uh, a historical quote, for example, and a King of England too, famous nice. Elizabeth from the uh, Amara yeah. speech. You said, said a lady, and I said, quite a lady, um, blah, blah, blah. And then you said, oh, maybe that, quite a lady. <laughs> <laughs> to which I had to reply, well, it might be a bit misleading. Uh, uh, quite a lady? <laughs> yeah, because there won't be any queens for quite a long time, and it doesn't say anything about monarchs. I will mainly be reviewing Queens. That list. is awful. <laughs> yeah. Quite a lady. That's that's an in-joke between us that no one in the world would get. Yeah. That's not only, even funny. Not only slightly tangentially relevant to her works. Oh, I'm so glad you, we didn't do that. Um, I think what we would have gone... Oh, and... Yeah, and a king of winter. I think the one we would have gone with, if we hadn't got a better one, would have been the jewel in the crown... Yeah. And as you then said, I like both of those. On reflection, they're all better than my favourite, quite a lady. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was short-lived, but that's... Wow. Uh, but I then <laughs> sent a text to my um, former roommate at a university, one Will Shanks, and said, we're doing this, going to do this podcast, rating all the kings and queens of England, all these factors, and then deciding who's got that kind of star quality... We want a pun. We came up with Zaza Rice, came up with Pope Idol. We just can't think of anything. You got any ideas? And in pretty much the time it took him to think, oh, I've got a text. Open the phone, read the message, press reply, write it down. He just wrote back saying, your new podcast sounds intriguing. My suggestion would have been Rex Factor. Which is inspired. And so we both sort of went, yeah, that, 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 that kind of... I mean, that just yeah. completely instantly <laughs> works. I mean, I was still holding on for quite a late <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if we ever do the console podcast. <laughs> I can't get over that. In terms of the factors, we had quite a few initially. So we had uh, warfare and battles, scandal and notoriety, virtue, brackets, and maybe culture, which I guess is kind of the learning aspect. Mm, yeah. 
We tried to catch him subject to yeah. yeah. Governance. Mm, so, yeah. Longevity and Rex Factor. So we obviously at some point added Dynasty. Oh yeah. Then we governance, learning, culture just all got subsumed into yeah subjectivity. Well, I think we, that was that was good good change from this from the in it too many bits and bobs. Yeah. Uh, in terms of actually making a podcast, the easy stuff is probably actually the technical physical bit of doing it. Yeah. So get a microphone. Uh, we do it on a Mac computer, which has got a program called GarageBand, which is very easy to record and it converts. Mm. file into an mp3 for you and then we use a website called podbean where that's sort of hosts the podcast and they send it to itunes pretty much for us so that's all quite easy challenges editing it yeah that's um that's pretty heavy going for you there used to be nice and we just used to do it and then i just put it out but then Mm. gradually they started getting a bit too long Mm. so that in the playoff episodes some of our original recordings were two and a half hours long and yeah. I got it down by an hour. Yeah, that is takes, quite something. Takes quite a while. We've had a couple of technological issues along the way. Stephen episode. Oh, Stephen and George. Yeah, so the Stephen episode, our microphone connector was a bit loose and it just recorded white noise for the entire episode. Mm. George V, it got corrupted for no particular reason, except for the last three minutes, which you still have where Ali's original verdict was completely different to the one which yeah. we subsequently did. that's weird, isn't it? Yeah. I've completely forgotten how I've entered that song. Um, and also, I, my hard drive once uh, broke, and I lost all my research for Mary the First, like, just before... Oh, I, I don't remember that. That was awful. That put us down a little bit. Uh, and then it's promoting it, which is a challenge. So Twitter, Facebook... Mm. quite helpful we had a couple of little features in the Radio Times and we the did and Telegraph, Telegraph. Yeah, but uh, we rely on our loyal listeners really to yeah. help spread the word don't make any money out of it so it's <laughs> well unless of course you want to help us cover our cast well, because yeah. you can on rexfactor.podbean.com and we will at some point rationalise into one one website rather yeah. than having all these ones you can leave a donation to Rex Factor well, you can. via PayPal if you so wish otherwise it's a free podcast but we do appreciate it it helps fill my um, crummy car up with petrol to get here. <laughs> and if you subscribe to us on iTunes, particularly if you leave a review on iTunes, I think that helps to kind of oh, that pushes us up. Pushes us up. So if you do listen to us on iTunes, then please leave us a yeah, nice that'd be grand. Review. Thank you. That'd be very helpful. Uh, so some more questions. Oh me, right? Okay. Um, so um, five. Are you doing these ones on purpose? <laughs> sci-fi. Sci-fi. I'm assuming that's a pun. If it's not a pun, I apologise. Sci-fi. Yeah. Okay, right. If that is your name... It's an excellent name. It is an excellent name. Um, this person by Facebook says, how do you prepare for an episode? Uh, Jennifer Collins Warner asks, how much search did you do for each episode? It sounds like a touch more than you retain in school. Retained in school. Andy Eggers, he's getting a couple of questions in yeah, here. But yeah, he can't quite a few questions. Um, what kind of sources are good for Rex Facts? Um... Graham, that's not the answer there. (laughs) Stephen Loeffler, WordPress, which king or queen was hardest to research due to lack of or contradictory source material? And Heather Wentworth asks, I'd also like to know more about the research you did. How long you spent researching each monarch and the sorts of sources you used? In terms of preparing for the episode and researching, what I tend to do is I start off with the kind of general history books. Mm. So like the little... uh, books of all the kings and queens and it has like a few pages so that you just get a little bit of an overview get a sense of what the key events are so when i then move on to slightly bigger books 
where it's a few chapters, maybe. Yeah. I then know which bits to pick out. I don't have to put too many facts down. Mm. And then when you actually get onto the bigger ones, the biographies, you can then go into the index and look for character and assessments and stuff like that. And I can assure you, I've seen these books. They are piled high. Beside <laughs> the bed, they're about two feet high. <laughs> All you wouldn't believe how many biographies there are out there on some kings and queens. In terms of Rex facts, there isn't. I don't have a book of like great trivia stuff. It's just things you kind of pick up. The research brings about you sift you sift <laughs> the gold from the muddy waters of biography, and that's um, my favourite favourite one is Harold Bluetooth. Absolutely, that, I mean that is just, just the I best. Could not wait fact. to tell you about that. Yeah. One. yeah. Uh, in terms of the difficulty of researching, so that. The Saxons were probably the hardest in terms of having available material, though it made it easier to do the podcast early on because mm. you didn't get too bogged down into it. And then, like I said, Victoria, just a bit too much. But that was nice, I think, because there was less. Um, it wasn't such a it wasn't such an onerous thing. We didn't know how successful it'd be or how yeah. much we really wanted to do it beyond. So it felt like the Saxons were a test, and they were quick, easier ones to knock out and still have lots of fun. So yeah. it's good. So Ali's research. Yeah, go a few for questions it. here. Uh, I'll just read them all again. Mm. Janelle Vickery on Facebook. How do you divvy up your tasks to make the podcast? Who has which jobs? Dean Irwin on Facebook. Ali, how do you make it seem so effortless? <laughs> Great effort. Uh, Andy Eggers again on email. Did Ali expect to do his own research or was it always planned as a straight man colour commentary arrangement? Mm. Nick Humphrey on Facebook. Ali, did you ever intend to do any research or was the plan always to make Rome do all the work? <laughs> oh, thank you, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I found an email actually when we were planning it early on, where which was from you. Mm. So if you want to read out your own I, words, I'm so embarrassed by these. I can't. Wait. Uh, okay, I'm going to read this out just because I don't know. What... I've had a thought. Dot dot dot. We are going to fall quite soon into roles as these progress, as these things do. Great grammar. Yeah? <laughs> we'll get comfy with someone taking the reins over parts, etc. From these emails, it seems that this is already happening, which is good, and opens up the potential for comedy more easily. I like the idea that you sort of carry the task of trying to make this more academic than it inevitably is going to be, giving the backstory, etc., that we then pick apart together. You, perhaps, somewhat despairingly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just call me Nostradamus. You see, it was planned. It was all very, very meticulously planned. Yeah, yeah. Ruth, uh, my planning is meticulous. Um, If... Really, my preparation involves quite a long sit-down beforehand. Yeah. I arrive. Orange squash. You give me an orange squash, wet the whistle. I um, I then enter a sort of con- con- contemplative zone. Contemplative? Contemplating? Contemplative. Contemplative. Contemplative zone. Have a little stretch. <coughs> do a few vocal <laughs> exercises. And then I'm ready. I'm ready to be educated. That's the benefit, I think, and one of the reasons why it works, I think, going back to someone's earlier question, is that you're... My mum said this, look, you're like the voice of the listener, so you ask the questions that yeah. people at home are asking. I mean, I definitely remember thinking that at one time when we were starting it, that it was to to be almost like the protagonist, where I, if I am the listener, mm. I'm going to be being told a story and want to want to ask the questions that the public can't. Mm. Um, and they just come out. It's easy. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, 
Yeah, but another question from someone who uh, maybe a bit more generous I mm. think Ellie Fisher on Facebook I must admit I would find it thoroughly enjoyable to listen to Ali spending an hour talking about Edward I's Welsh castles I would love to hear more about his dissertation you don't need to ask me twice <laughs> I'll send a copy out to anyone who wants to see it <laughs> I uh, won't because I have printing costs but <laughs> well we have uh, digital means these days do, yeah. oh yeah right Matthew Constable, long-time Rex fan, great champion of ours, and um, all-round good egg. If the Scots vote for independence, how will that affect the prospects of Elizabeth II ending up with the Rex factor? Um, well, it's been. Yes, yeah, so we're recording this on uh, Friday the 19th of September, so the results have already been announced, mm. and uh, we can officially reveal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that um, it's, it's all right. They're still with us. Still with us. Not a problem. Yeah. Um, Problem for forty five percent of the Scottish people, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess that would have um, that would have been really very damaging. I we don't have a lot to lose as it is. No, so to lose a bit of <laughs> the, the actual, actual landmass, yeah, yeah. It would have been terrible. Though technically, she would still have been Queen of Scotland. Yeah, they said they still wanted her as Queen, mm. did they? So, so maybe not. Maybe it wouldn't have mattered too much. But yeah. But still, I mean, all the empire's gone. I bet she didn't see in 1953 mm. Scotland. <laughs> yeah. That definitely was you know, crikey, crikey noises. Uh, and the, the next question is, is uh, uh, right. So, Faux Bennett, um, as an American, it is hard for me to guess. But how does the average Brit view possible Scottish independence? By the average Brit, I guess he means the average Englishman. Do you think? Yeah, possibly, which is yeah. probably one of the things which annoy the... Uh, there and there, that's exactly <laughs> the problem, isn't it? Um, I, I, well, I can only speak from my own point of view, and I presume I'm a bit of an average <laughs> Englishman. Um, it's just, I mean, it's up to them, and it was up to them, and uh, it just would have been a bit of a shame. Yeah. That's it, really. You know, wouldn't really change anything for me, but I quite like they're all one big, big family on the island, but, yeah. Without uh, literally using political message, I do think we are better together. together yeah, <laughs> yeah. The slogan went, and it would have been really sad. Yeah, and the Olympics particularly. Mm. Um, mm. We never, never be so successful again. Yeah, and it's just I, I don't know. It's not a problem anymore. So per millum. Uh, you are doing this on purpose, so you can the tricky ones. One of the most interesting parts of Rex Factor to me was the anarchy. So, oh, Stephen. <laughs> so, could you tell me more? Tell us more about Matilda and why her claim to the throne was so quickly ignored. Maybe there is a pretty simple answer: she was a woman of medieval sexism. But if there's something more subtle, I'd love to hear about it. Um, Graham. So this is where we got Matilda, who was the only legitimate child of Henry the mm. First. Um, and was acknowledged as the heir, but she was away at the time, and Stephen, the cousin, kind of jumped mm. in, took the throne, and then they had about just under 20 years of civil war, effectively, mm. which was known as the anarchy. It was kind of precedented that somebody just nicked the throne. So you think of the Normans. William Rufus yeah. and Henry I were the younger brother of Robert, Duke of Normandy. So both times, um, when he should have succeeded technically by that primogenitor, mm. um, they were just there at the time, and people had thought, it. yeah, we'd rather have them. Mm. So like Henry I snooped into Winchester, took the money, and just like, yeah, I'm king now. Yeah. Right, fair enough. So that's effectively what Stephen did. So it's not that unusual. And it's partly Henry I's fault, which is something we criticised him for, particularly in the playoffs, and in the fact that he didn't set Matilda up very well. Yeah. But, and so I suppose if there was, a, there was already a history of it, mm. um, 
people weren't so adverse to it, or at least those Stephen supporters weren't yeah. being so adverse to it. And it just added weight to the argument that she was a woman. Hmm. So she was abroad at the time, and Henry had fallen out with her, whereas Stephen was actually in yeah. the country ready to go. However, there was a point at which Matilda had captured Stephen and was going to be crowned in London. And then, as often happened in London, they decided they didn't like the woman and kicked her out. Yeah. And it was thought that because she was very much her father's daughter and quite authoritative and quite superior and felt her position, made it known that they thought, oh, that's not how a woman's meant to act. She should Mm. be a bit more motherly Mm. and maternal and loving. So maybe if she had been a man... If she'd been a son, first son of Henry I, I doubt Stephen would have been able as a cousin. Yeah, to have done it. it just wouldn't have been an option, yeah. surely. And then she wouldn't have been kicked out if she'd been a man for being a bit arrogant. Yeah, if she'd, been, if she'd had her personality and a bloke, she'd have been unstoppable in those times. Yeah. But if you think to like Elizabeth I, even Mary I, they were able to have the kind of strong leadership but also played on the feminine women. aspect. Mm. So maybe Matilda some personal mistakes mm. Henry the First a bit and a bit of the medieval sexism as well yeah it, well, the cards were against her there somewhat yeah Johnny Buckley um, of Twitter fame <laughs> what one do you think what what one do you think was the most significant victory Trafalgar or Waterloo now I'm Good a question. big time Trafalgar chap mm. um, Waterloo not so much um, because it was the, the Germans won it Prussians came in and, yeah uh, Blucher it was his victory and we were, uh, but Trafalgar, that's jolly good. And that sets us up, <laughs> ruling the waves. So, of course, this is Waterloo, which was 1815, and the land battle um, led by the Duke of Wellington mm. against Napoleon. Then Trafalgar was ten years earlier in 1805, naval battle spearheaded by uh, Lord Nelson, Admiral Nelson. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one, because technically you could argue that Waterloo is actually defeating Napoleon. Mm. So Napoleon's actually commanding his troops at the battle, and that's the one which ends it. Yeah. Whereas Trafalgar is just sort of more controlling the seas, pulling him off. Mm. He's not actually against Napoleon, you could argue. Yeah, it's a sort of turning the tide a bit, though, for once, mm. against him. Um, but it, I, don't, I think I just don't like the fact that it's so... Um, it's so badly taught here that you'd think that we defeated Napoleon all by ourselves mm. and Wellington did it jolly good. But elsewhere, you get the full picture. Europe. And it's, yeah, it's the a, European it's context. A, yeah, exactly. Um, so I think I just don't like the jingoistic nature of Waterloo or how it's taught. But Trafalgar. <laughs> you love it, the jingoistic nature of Trafalgar. Because there's boats involved. <laughs> exactly, that's a good and, way. Uh, Maybe I just haven't read more fully around that, and the uh, <laughs> and the the Kiwis came along and, <laughs> and won it. It's also, uh, I suppose, for many people, a question of sharp versus hornblower. Oh yeah, yeah, nice. And uh, love a bit of both of them, but I have been watching quite a bit of hornblower recently. Okay, so David Nolan, um, he is from email. <laughs> do you have any idea how large your audience is? By which I do not mean the girth of your average listener, but rather how many of us are there. There are are there more inside than outside the UK? How does it split England v Scotland? Brackets topical. Oh, satire. Uh, um, yeah. Well, Podbean stats uh, suggest that we've got about seven and a half thousand subscribers. Yeah. Which is based on something called feed feed hits. Right. 
Um, so we don't know if that's an exact number. It might be a bit less if some of those are clicking more than once. Uh, the most hits we ever had for an episode is George the Sixth biography episode, Weird. which had uh, just over thirteen thousand hits. And do you popular. know um, the average waist size? Uh, sadly, that stat isn't recorded on Podbean. Right. We do know, however, that uh, only just under half of the listeners are actually from America. Yes, so we love our American cousins, particularly Thank California you. and uh, Virginia. Uh, about 30% from the UK, not broken down by mm. England or Scotland. Uh, and over half of listeners do so via an Apple device or software. Um, Katie Lloyd, Facebook. Of all the amazing Hollywood-worthy moments over the course of Rex Factor, this is going to be tricky, <laughs> w- what is the one story you'd like to see turned into a movie? I don't know where to start. There's I mean, a lot. There's so many. There's no point rehashing some of these old stories that they keep reviving or doing another Fast and Furious 6. <laughs> Just get into Rex Factor and wherever we say this should be a movie, do that. I mean, one of the ones I was particularly thinking of was Edward III's reign had loads and loads of them. Mm. All those Manny. adventures and Manny, of yeah. course. I particularly like when he was really young and he got rescued from Roger Mortimer when his young knight friends sort of went up that secret tunnel yes. in yeah, Nottingham yeah, yeah, Castle yeah, yeah. and rescued him. That's very good. That I mean, really awesome. there's so many different parts of that reign, as you say, that could would all mm. be fantastic scenes in a movie. Yeah. But I can't escape, obviously, Charles II. Well... I mean that whole his whole escape <laughs> a raunchy comedy oh across uh, imagine just the escape of Charles II you don't even need to get to the restoration just yeah. that bit it'd be fantastic hiding up trees dressing in women's clothes chatting to stable boys oh <laughs> my word visiting Stonehenge just on a sightseeing just on a sightseeing for his life can you imagine some like enemy of the state now with the full weight of the army and security services <laughs> chasing them and he's driving past Alton Towers and says, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> I just, I mean, come off it. I also thought 10 to 66 would be awesome. The three battles in that Is year. that not a film? Yeah. That's one of the defining moments yeah. in history. That, that's ridiculous, isn't it? I also like to remember looking back at when we had that sea battle with Soldier, the Viking mm. sea battle with Sven Fortbeard and mm. Olaf Trygvason. Yeah. And all those cool. Viking longships coming together with each other. Yeah, raft of them. That would be awesome. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's clearly a taste for it in Hollywood, isn't there? I mean, we've revived Robin Hood after 20 years, and Russell Crowe gave that shocking (laughs) performance. Russell, if you're listening, I'm sorry, give us money. Um, uh, uh, He could have been doing Tense City. He could have been playing um, Harold Halrada or any one of them. I I definitely would have cast him as uh, William I and seeing how close he could get to a French accent. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Though he would be actually be quite almost the right shape and size for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We 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 also do a nice sideline in casting, so you know, <laughs> exactly. give us a call. <laughs> Greg Chapman from Condensed Histories Podcast. What is the airspeed velocity of the Leyden Swallow? Now this is uh, this is very tricky. Hashtag there's always one. Well, um, he wrote that by the way. Not yes, <laughs> just say that. Technically, we can't actually answer that question. Because he hasn't specified whether he means an African or European yeah, swallow. Right. That's very true. This, for in case you're thinking that you've just uh, <laughs> downloaded the Infinite Monkey Cage or something, um, this is from Monty Python, of course. Um, um, Sarah, uh, WordPress. In doing some genealogy research, I discovered that I've actually descended from Edward I by his do- daughter, Princess Elizabeth Plantagenet. Sorry, he's still one of my least favourite monarchs, despite <laughs> being my 22nd great-grandfather. It made me wonder, do either of you 
have any traces of royal blood? Um, no. Not that I'm I aware don't, of. I don't know. I mean, the thing is, given how long ago Alfred the Great was, for example, yeah. the chances are very high we do. Yeah. So He's got a lot of living yeah, descendants, Alfred the Great. Exactly. Okay. Um, Janelle Vickery, of the unknowns and lost to history riddles you came across during Rex Factor, which answer would you most want to know? It's got to be Prince in the Tower for me. It is the classic, and I know that's going to be a bit of a cop-out and you'd want something a bit more random that is less well-known, but that that is just... That's the biggie. It's one of those where, like, I wouldn't have wanted it to have been known because mm. it's fun debating it. Yeah. But it'd be nice now to just... I'd like to be the only one who knew. <laughs> yeah. well, just going around with this sort of smile of, I know something you don't know. Yeah, yeah, much like Richard himself. Yeah, it's a bit like a magic trick, isn't it? You don't want mm. to know because it's just disappointing. Yeah. It's rather, you'd rather be amazed. Um, what, what other ones were there? Uh, well, another one I thought of was um, Amy Robsart, who was uh, Robert Dudley's wife. Who oh, yeah? Fell, yeah. fell, inverted commas, down mm. the very short staircase and broke her neck. Mm. And did she fall or was she pushed? Yeah. So that Dudley and Elizabeth could marry. Can I answer that one for you? You can. Definitely pushed. Well... <laughs> Uh, yeah, but um, uh, what other one? What would I think? Rufus. Rufus, Rufus would be a one. fantastic one. Mm. Yeah. Was Henry the first involved? Was it really an ac- hunting accident? Yeah. In the New Forest or yeah. assassination? Edward the second. Was it really red hot poker up the old? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like guys. Before you, can I just have a yeah, look? Yeah. Oh, that's uh, disappointing. That is a shame. Have you thought about doing it this way? <laughs> and he's going, shut up! <laughs> Here's something which I hadn't noticed until thinking about this. Um, Walter Tyrrell is the guy yeah. who did actually shoot William Rufus mm. uh, in the New Forest. And the person who allegedly, on Richard III's orders, killed the princes in the Tower was one James Tyrrell. Yeah, do you think that's just a, a byword that royals use to get out of trouble? So Prince Harry gets, all, gets up to all this nonsense in Las Vegas hotel rooms under the name James Tyrrell. <laughs> well, I'm wondering, is, it like a, is there a regicidal gene in the Tyrrell family yeah, that yeah, uh, goes through? Tyrrell's crisps? See well, the Tyrrells I know of. Uh, some questions for you. Okay, a bit worried about these. Have I seen these? Were these in that email you sent me? Well, they were in the email that I've sent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I haven't seen those. Okay. John uh, from Sargathing Podcast, how's Ali's recovery going? David Nolan on email, is Ali now fully recovered from that awful cycling accident? Has he been on a bike since? Uh, I haven't been on a bike since. Um, I am, yeah, no, I'm I, I, much better, thank you. I mean, it, um, it's fine, really. Mm. Still missing um, quite a few teeth, which is uh, <laughs> um, awkward. At times, but no, generally, I'm, you know, I'm much better. It was horrible, and thank you all very much for your um, lovely messages when I was ill. Um, but yeah, generally, but I still got a couple more operations to go. But but you know, stiff up a lip, all that. <laughs> very 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 good. That was one of the puns which I was thinking. When can I say keep a stiff up a lip? When can I say? Yeah, that? it was all I know it was definitely uh, that was my main weapon. Was um, was a bit of humour, so that would have gone down fine. <laughs> Uh, question another one from a couple we've got here from actually Andy Eggers again did you ever doubt that you'd finish definitely when I was um, learning to swallow again mm, that, that, was, that was that was how I thought yeah why not might not quite see the end of Elizabeth II there um, 
But no, I think I don't know. Would uh, I reckon once we got going, we were steamrolling? Well, because I wasn't sure. I don't know if at the very start I would have thought we'll actually get to the end of this. I don't know. I, I suppose we're quite tenacious people, though. I don't think we're mm. ones to just be lazy and stuff. I was thinking there was a period where um, we. I remember I was a bit worried when because you are now in London, but there was a point early on where you were potentially going to yeah. move to London. I think it might have been tricky when we were still on the Saxons if. We've yeah. had a big distance. Yeah, yeah, too. yeah, yeah. But no, no, I always reckon we'd, we'd smash them. Yeah. Uh, another question from Andy. Uh, when the two of you do other things together, do you occupy your usual Rex Factor roles, i.e. Graeme explains the restaurant menu at length to Ali, and <laughs> Ali responds with humorous interjections? Um, well, we email each other a lot, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Um, but usually usually just quoting Arrested Development. Often. Well, yeah. it, often it's just one line, so something that's happened in our life that would have been... <laughs> arrested development quote worthy if the other one of us had been there yeah. so we can uh, pretend that it happened in real time um, but yeah this is there's no um, there's no act really this is, we, ju- we just sit down and chat and it's this is um, this is how we are it's real this is it yeah uh, Gerald Lilies Lil- Lyles <laughs> Lyles of Twitter you've got to mispronounce every single name <laughs> I'm not doing this on purpose I'm really sorry um uh, Lyles, it's definitely Lyles of Twitter. Yeah. Uh, you occasionally referred to a PM being unable to form a government. What does that entail in your system? Hashtag an American. <laughs> <laughs> These are fun hashtags. Um, Graham? Well, <laughs> basically, gov- how governments form changed quite a bit over the years, but in the old days, you didn't have quite such formalised parties. Mm. So you'd kind of have people leaning in a certain way. So the Prime Minister will be the person who can form a government in its most literal sense, so the person who can get the most support. Right. So the monarch would call upon, and even in the Victorian times we do have the parties, it's still a bit looser, so the monarch will call upon certain persons and say, can you form a government? And they'll think, have they got enough supporters in their own party, they've got a majority. Sometimes they do it when they don't have a majority in Parliament, but also they might think, well, actually, we're really divided at the moment. Mm. So, like in the Victorian period, the Conservatives had a split where the supporters of Peel went off in a different direction. Liberals also, they had lots of different sort of offshoots. So sometimes they'd be asked to form a government and actually they wouldn't have enough support. They wouldn't either in terms of the numbers of MPs or just the MPs they had actually liking them. So they'd think, oh, this is just too tough, we can't actually do it. So it all falls apart and they have to start again. Yeah. Mm. So one example was when Melbourne... Um, was the last Prime Minister to be sacked by the monarch, effectively on a whim. When, when, when was so that? So that's William IV, so that's just before Victoria, so that's kind of the 1820s. It's quite late, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's quite late, yeah. Um, and then Peel was asked to form a government, mm. and was like, actually, I, I can't really. And in fact, another one, it was Peel again, of course, of Victoria in the bedchamber crisis, when Victoria wouldn't get rid of the women that yeah. dressed her hair in the morning. Yeah. So Peel was like, well, in that case, the government cannot stand... Which I still have a problem with that. The leading ridiculous. world empire of the yeah. time. It's like, well, if if the women who are making the beds don't move out, then I don't see how we can possibly govern the world's empire. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I still think that's just nonsense. Okay, so, uh, Tommy, Tammy Harris Radis, um, Facebook, always wondered this. Why did Queen Elizabeth I refuse to name a successor? Why did she refuse to name a successor? That's... Well, there were various reasons, one might say. Partly, probably a bit of paranoia going on. Mm -hmm. Because if 
if you've got a child, then obviously that's fine. It's the natural order of things. Yeah. If you've got a sibling, it's a rival, but it's clear that that's going to be the next person. But Elizabeth, there wasn't a clear successor. So if she named someone as, as their successor, there's this idea of the setting and the rising sun, and people would start to gravitate towards yeah. the new person right. yeah. rather than her. Or indeed, there'd be plots to put the new person on the throne instead of her. Mm. So there was a little bit about that. It was a little bit of uncertainty over who it would be, because Henry VIII's will suggested it should be his younger sister's line that would come. His youngest sister's line? So Henry VIII had two sisters, and he was suggesting that the children of the younger sister were next in line and after his own children. Name? Well, so it would have been uh, a woman called Lady Catherine Grey, I think. Not... No, Jane Grey, that's it, isn't it? Of that, um, of that family. Line, though, yeah. Line. Um, but she uh, married someone without asking for permission, which mm. kind of messed up diplomatic politics, so she was kind of disgraced and lost out. And then by the end of the reign, it was obviously going to be James VI of Scotland. But even then, she didn't actually... <laughs> she, yeah, and she was humming and ahhing right at the end, wasn't yeah. she? I think like Henry VIII, she, she was kind of had a thing about death, or her own death, mm. and couldn't really face it. So it's almost like if she named a successor, that would almost be like accepting oh, right. that yeah. one day she wouldn't be queen. Mm. And she, was, she did have a tendency towards vanity. Mm. Amy Snorder first time yeah Facebook if you had to be the spouse of one of the kings or queens to whom would you prefer to be married regardless of gender Edward III Edward III yeah why Edward III uh, because he seemed like a nice chap mm-hmm. uh, was apparently incredibly good looking is that the one I'm thinking of that was Edward IV Edward IV oh tall chap from the white queen yeah Okay, then then he sounded good looking. He did have a voracious sexual appetite, which wasn't entirely confined to his own marital bed. Would mm. that have bothered you? I think for the security you'd have provided <laughs> me. I don't know. I Stick probably, by your man. It probably needs a bit more uh, thought. Um, I'd like to say William the Penguin because mm. he's such a lover, um, lovely man, not yeah. a poker, um, <laughs> but. Bit dull though, wouldn't yeah. it? Be? Uh, well, I don't think you fun? could suggest Edward the First. No, I, c- I come off it. I mean, I I, I respect. I mean, I you're halfway there already. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he loved his wife. But all those Eleanor crosses. He did. That's could have been really all those true. alley crosses down yeah, the. That would have been lovely. Funeral route. Oh, he was so nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, scared of him though. I'd have been terrified of him. Absolutely terrified of him. Uh, yeah, I'll stick with Edward the Fourth. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Elizabeth I probably an obvious choice. Probably more obvious than Edward IV, I'm afraid. In a way, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm surprised you didn't say Victoria. What do you mean? Because when she was younger, she was kind of she was quite fun. She liked her little jokes before Albert kind of made her all serious. Yeah. You could have had a fun Victoria. Imagine that. Yeah, that would imagine been sixty my years of Victoria. Yeah. I feel like I have had sixty years of Victoria. Or you could have uh, had Henry VIII and tried to change him. You could have been the one <laughs> wife that <laughs> made it work. No, I don't think that would have worked. Who else was fun from the from the medieval period? Who did we have? Uh, or, or Charles II, of course. Charles, I mean, okay, yeah, if Edward is, is not confining it to, to me, yeah. then maybe I'll stick with Charles. <laughs> um, Jack. Hmm. That's, I hope you know who you are, Jack. Um, <laughs> you got that one. Yes, <laughs> 
What are your thoughts on the next few in line to the throne? If you had to sign a score to Prince Charles, who I guess could become Charles II, question mark, and leaving aside things like length of reign, where would he rank? That's a bit tough. Yeah, I mean, he probably wouldn't have a long reign. Mm, no, chance is not good there. Only got two children. Yeah. Uh, um, scandal. Mm. There's the. I mean, this is all a bit too recent to be comfortable. But there's all the Diana nonsense. Well, there was literal. I mean, he did. If there's a divorce, they divorced. Affair, yeah. didn't you? I was thinking about the um, the conspiracy theories. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think he'd have done terribly well. Subjectivity. How would he? He loves his architecture, doesn't he? Um, his organic stuff. He was his quite organic stuff, yeah, I mean, that. Prince's Trust. That's very good, actually, very Prince's good. Trust. Yeah. I mean, and I love a Dutchy original biscuit. <laughs> um, so he would have done really well there. But I just think the time was against him, really. Mm. Uh, was, is. Yeah. So, no, yeah, I don't think he would have done very well, but not a reflection on him as a person. It'd be interesting that I'd quite like to compare to the Victorian comparison where you had the four generations alive at the same yeah, time which you have now yeah. so you've got a matriarch who is there for 60 plus years mm. no one could imagine anything beyond her mm. Edward Seventh comes along and people weren't a bit sure about him he'd had a few scandals mm. and they didn't think he was up to the job but he actually pretty good okay. a bit yeah. more relaxed and that's Charles and that's Charles George V who was a bit more in the mould of his grandmother very straight laced and sensible and all about duty that's exactly William and then you've got Edward VIII uh oh! So, uh, Young George, yeah, he's, he's going to be George the second. And he? you think when he was there was those play dates where he was kind of pushing the other children and nicking their things? You think maybe yeah. he's going to be a troublemaker? By me, I meant by the way, him being George the second. I know he won't be George the second, but <laughs> you know he'll have that that side to him. So that's so whoever is the uh, second child when they come along will be George the sixth. Yeah, mm. back to some. So if you're listening in twenty. 120. Yes. Let us know. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, Keith Murray, an email. Um, among the current Rexes and Reginas populating the world, who do you each personally find meeting your criteria for Rex Factorhood? There's not many, though, is there? No, I mean, the only thing, I, I don't really have that much knowledge, to be honest, of the rest of the world's monarchies. I mean, you know, there's only one real yeah, royal family. Yeah. The King of Thailand is the longest-serving monarch in the world. And the people of Thailand absolutely love him. Because if you criticise him, then that's a criminal offence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went, to, um, I went to school with um, uh, some people from Thailand. They, well, I became good friends with them. And they, yeah, they absolutely loved, it, loved them. 1946 he became. Yeah. yeah. So he'd probably be quite high. But, uh, yeah, so who else we got? There's Spanish guy was in trouble for shooting. Well, there's a lot of applications. Uh, Europe, we've had Spain, Belgium and Netherlands. All in the last yeah. few years, all the monarchs have abdicated. Um, uh, quite like some of those African monarchs. Well, the <laughs> tribal African monarchs <laughs> who still got all the gear. I like that. Okay. Uh, Jenny Grandchamp, Grand Grandchamp, explains explain the effects uh, of Twitter fame. Explain <laughs> the effects of incestual marriages between the royals. How too many kissing cousins led to birth defects and mental illness, and not just Queen Victoria's grandson. That sounds like a, a question for a biology podcast. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that actually the, the royals have had that much issue with um, odd births and no, they defects. Do get a, and yeah, they always get accused of that, don't they? Yeah, but so like Victoria and Albert were first cousins, but all nine of their children lived to adulthood, mm. which is pretty unusual for the time. 
Edward VII's wife wasn't a close relative. George V and Queen Mary were second cousins once removed. George VI and Queen Mother weren't related. Um, Queen and Philip, second cousins once removed again. That's Char- pretty distant, though. Yeah. Charles and Diana, not related. Catherine Middleton, not even noble birth. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> so I would pose that to a biologist, yes. I think. Um, well, the, yeah, okay, right. Jane Sabatini of Facebook, what's the answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe and everything? 46. Well, I think we we can be conclusive on that one at <coughs> least. 42? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Andrew Cooper, uh, if you could award somebody the anti-Rex factor, that is the worst monarch of all, who would it be and why? And yeah. then the next question is kind of similar. Oh, okay. Not the same, but... Thomas Anderson, which English monarch was your least favourite? Yeah, so who's the worst, really? Yeah. Well, who's worse and who's least favourite? Mm. Least favourite, hands up, Victoria. Mm. Oh, there was a lot that went on in her reign. I think my problem... Okay, um, Stephen was rubbish. And it wasn't just because of the... Yeah, it wasn't just the glitch in the glitch system. In, yeah. He was really bad. I like. I think, and we said at the time that John wasn't bad enough to live up to his bad name. Yeah. So not him. Okay, I'll go with Stephen. And then the worst, Stephen. <laughs> I think um, Henry III never really captured my imagination. Mm-hmm. So that's Edward I's father. Mm. And he spent a lot of the time, he was like, kept being captured by Simon de Montfort. Oh, yeah. Under the thumb there. And then he just kind of let Edward I do everything. Mm. Oh, well, you would, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. There was some... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Some yeah. of the Georges were Some quite of the jo- dull. I was going to say... Well, Georges 1 and 2 were pretty dull. When we were, when we were um, gearing up to those, I thought I was getting concerned. I thought this could be quite a <laughs> couple of months. But I actually, in the end, enjoyed them. Yeah. So I wouldn't put them in. I think Ethelred the Unready deserves a shout for worst kings. That's when the Vikings came back mm. and all the Danegeld and everything really falling apart. But I think Henry the Sixth, the Wars of the Roses king with the mental health issues and yeah not so hot that was a proper Mm. disaster zone yeah Mm. okay so that's uh what's going to be the first half of the q a podcast um because we had so many great questions from you and we're having so much fun doing it it ended up being quite a long recording so i thought that rather than try and get it all down to a smaller length i just cut it in half at this point so that's the first half. Um, in a couple of weeks, I'll release the second half of the Q&A podcast. And then after that, it will be the Kings and Queens of Scotland to look forward to. But for now, it's goodbye. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. So you need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. And it needs to say, I'm a thoughtful person, and I appreciate you, and I know exactly what you like, all at the same time. Well, Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life, like the pickleballer, the jazz fan, or the pasta lover. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there's something for everyone on Etsy. Whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. 
The National Women's Soccer League kicks off March 16th on ION. It's a new Saturday night destination featuring the best players in the world. 25 Saturday nights, 50 matches, all season long on ION. Alan Fretchel-Williams slips through, here's a shot, it's in! This is a game changer for sports. Savinia takes a shot herself! the full schedule and find where to watch at ionnwsl.com Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 